Good morning, everyone. So we praise him in the good, and we praise him in the not so good. And so we look outside, and we look at the weather, and we go, ah, winter's coming, right? The leaves are falling off of the trees, and but praise him, right? Praise him for, for every, in everything. Praise the Lord. So if you could uh, grab your Bibles, turn to James. We're back in the book of James, finally. Chapter 3, and we'll be focused on the first half. That's verses 1 through 12. So if you could turn to that, I would definitely appreciate it. The year, before we pray, I just want to go through this real quick. The year was 1969, 1970, or 1971. Does everybody remember what you were doing in the year 1969 to 1971? Of course not. I do, because it ties into this message today, and we're talking about controlling the tongue. But it really does uh, tie in. Of course, I I was a little guy, so this is elementary school, early elementary school years uh, for me. Um, So we have a picture of some... Rocks, stones, branches, sticks, things like that. Um, in the mid-1800s, nobody here was here. <laughs> in the mid-1800s, in England and then into Ireland, a rhyme was starting, and this is when you trace it back in, in the English language. It might have come from somewhere else. All of you probably already figured out what's going to come up next on the slide. But a rhyme started in, in primary and elementary schools. Either it was taught in the home or definitely kids heard it in, in school and in their early years in school. And so basically, we all know this. We've heard it at one point in time. We've probably told it to our kids. It's an international. It goes across the globe, of course. But we know that, and we have heard this. So raise your hand if you know this. And you probably know what's going to come up on the bottom. Everybody. Everybody, right? Okay. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I have a question for everyone. Is that true? No. It's not true at all. So I want to ask another question. These aren't questions you're going to see on the screen. Think back, the older we get, those of us who are older in the, in the sanctuary, the older we get, think back at times in our lives, and praise the Lord, this isn't a testimony service where I'm going to ask you to come up and tell us. We should do that one of these days, though. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going, to, I'm going to start. I'll be the example. I'll do it myself real quick, and then we'll pray. The times in your life, in our lives, when we've experienced pain, or trauma, has it been because of physical pain, sticks and stones, or car accidents, or other things that happen in life? Or has it been by the words spoken to us by another person? So when you think of that trauma from whatever popped into your mind, I'm thinking of one right now, 
Think of some, some physical trauma that, that we've had, we've experienced. You remember that pain, that physical pain, right? We remember that. But does it hurt today? Now think of that emotional trauma or that trauma that somebody said very bad things to you over the course of our lives, your, your life and my life. Does that have a, do you have a response internally to what was said? Okay. So I, around this same time, I was a horrible stutterer. I became very introverted as a result because I couldn't talk to people. I could talk to family members, but once I got out of sight of him, see, I'm already starting to stutter. I always have to watch myself. Intermediate family that I would just clam up because I was afraid of what was going to happen. If I started to get into a conversation, if I'm going to botch this up and stutter my way through it, and of course, being a young person, what are the other kids going to say to me? You could imagine. And maybe some of you have dealt with that or other things. A family member told me as a result of this, not a family member in my home, outside of my home, pointed their finger at me. I was yeah, this tall, maybe. Pointed my fi- their finger at me and said, you will never amount to anything in your life because you can't speak. So how did I feel? I carried that for years. I think back on it, and it hurts, but it doesn't hurt like it used to because God touched my mouth. (laughs) He touched my lips. How could I be standing up here today? So what was spoken over me, and Poppy, what was spoken over many of all of us, different situations, we still feel it, don't we? So this is a lie from the pit of hell, this right here. It's still taught today, right? Yeah. I I was looking online in different countries. Not going to put the words up in other languages. Only a few of you could read them anyway. Um, But uh, it's all over the world, and, and it's wrong. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blessings. We thank you, Lord, that sticks and stones. (laughs) Wow. Lord, we thank you. That the ways of this world, Lord, that we, you have translated us from one kingdom to another. And Lord, I'm so excited about something that Stuart said at the very beginning of worship. He said, the Lord can come back in five minutes. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Of course, I wouldn't have to preach this message for another four minutes and so many seconds. But we would have a potluck waiting for us beyond imagination. So, Lord, we ask you to come. We ask you to come into this service, into this time of teaching and preaching, that your will would be done amongst your people at Turkey Run Mennonite Church, Lord. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's take a look at our text here. You have your Bibles open to James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Of course, I always put it on the screen for you. I'm sorry, Tim, I didn't see that there. And Mike, I have to say, I'm probably one of those guilty ones that you said, exhausted. 
I'm one of the ones who told him, how you doing? I'm exhausted. <laughs> so praise the Lord, we'll get through this. Dear uh, James 3, 1 through 12. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Anybody encouraged yet? Okay. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Again, is that encouraging? Yes and no, I guess. Yes and no. I guess it depends if uh, you know the Lord Jesus or not. <laughs> that changes everything. So this past week, uh, I had the opportunity to, uh, to uh, have a meal with Mike and Dylan at the Chinese uh, buffet in Lancaster. Mike and Dylan were, in, were up in town for something, so I kind of butted into their, 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 their lunch uh, ordeal. So I drove over there and met with them and had lunch. So anybody here who has eaten Chinese food at the buffet, Logan, Lancaster, wherever you've been, typically what happens when it's time to pay the bill? They, they bring on that little tray, there's a little piece of paper, and they bring it to you, and there's something else there. What is it called? Fortune cookie. Have you, you've had the Chinese buffet? <laughs> a lot. You're a man after Mike's own heart. <laughs> yes. My doctor's in the, in the room right now. I shouldn't be eating Chinese. I'm not even going to look at him right now. But, but anyway, it's for the ministry, for the ministry. Okay. So we get our bills, and I open up the little fortune cookie package, right? Oh, oh you know what? I have it right here. Y'all can read that, right? See, it's right there. Just so you know, I have it right here. Okay. You can pass this around if you need it, if you need it that bad. And I thought, the back of my mind, I actually said it to Mike, I don't know what this thing's going to say, but I'm preaching on James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, controlling the tongue on Sunday. Now, this was Tuesday. 
I want to see if this applies to this message. We're going to spiritualize, David, we're going to spiritualize Chinese food. Okay? And I won't tell you, when Mike opened his, he had to do it for last week's message on submission. And I said, oh, I don't know if that's going to apply. But anyway, here we go. So what did it say? Everybody knows on one side there's a, a cute little saying, right? Then on the other side, it tells you your lucky numbers. You know, don't look at those lucky numbers. It means nothing. Um, but thankfully, I blew it up for you. So we just read what we're preaching on, what our topic is today. This is what it said. What is KMS? Keep mouth shut. The golden rule. Now, the golden rule is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So I even went online to check, in China, is that a golden rule? And I didn't really, it said in China, it's do unto others. <laughs> but hey, they're trying to sell Chinese food, right? So, but keep mouth shut. Think about that. So this is supposedly Chinese proverbs. We'll call it Chinese proverbs. So then I said, I don't know. This does kind of spiritually apply to the message, so I'll throw it in for a cheap laugh, but this is not the, the, the focus of our message. However, I do want to say one thing, though. Instead of looking to Chinese proverbs for direction and understanding in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, what if we just looked at the book of Proverbs in our Bibles? What does that say about keep KMS, keep mouth shut? Our speech and the ramifications of our speech are mentioned around 120, 120 times in the Word of God. We're not going to read all 120 this morning, but we will be going through quite a few verses. So if you're flipping through the pages, you're going to have to flip fast or just it's going to be up there for, for all of us. Uh, another fun fact is there is a phrase in the Bible, I'm not going to put it on the screen here, there is a phrase in the Bible that is mentioned 365 times exactly. How many days are there in a year? 365 days. Does anybody know what that phrase is? Do not be afraid. Praise the Lord. He gave it to us for every day. Do not be afraid. Fun fact, put chest to the side. So let's look at the book of Proverbs. So let's start with Proverbs 15, verses 1 and 2. We'll go through this quickly because today is Potluck Sunday. A gentle answer deflects anger. The answer was words spoken out of our mouths, correctly? A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing. But the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. This is the New Living Translation. I really chose it for this message because it's very pointed when it talks about KMS, keep mouth shut. But that word belches, is belching a uh, kind of a taboo in our society? Do people just belch at the dinner table? Is that kind of considered rude or? Yes, okay, everybody's nodding, we all get it. I think the only place it might be considered not so rude is the guys who went to Burr Oak this weekend. Maybe they didn't. Uh... That's a side thing. I don't know if there's any belching going on but I think they would laugh about it more than anything. Proverbs 16, 23 and 24. From a wise mind 
comes wise speech. Well, we have our mind is now engaged in this, right? From a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. God has put us into this world as born-again believers to be persuasive for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. We are to engage the lost, right? Amen. Well, if we speak foolishness, is that persuasive to the lost? Nah. Okay? A wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy to the body. Unless you're John and I, we can't eat honey. So, Proverbs 13.3. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Doctor, what if you just, your patients that come and visit you, what if you just said, hey, why don't you just control your tongue and you're going to live longer. I'm going to treat you, but if you want to live longer, just control your tongue. It's biblical, okay? Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Wow. Has anybody ever opened their mouth ever and ruined anything in your, in your or the young? They always volunteer. Thank you. The old, they volunteer. We've all opened our mouths and said things that we wish we did not say and wish we could have back. We'll talk about that near the end of the message a little more. Here is some more. Now, this is conventional wisdom, this one, uh, first one here. Ooh, it went, it went bright. This is not from the book of Proverbs. Better to remain silent and, thought to, uh, and, and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. That's conventional wisdom. How true, though? Okay. That was Jim when he was a stutterer. He remained silent, not because of being thought for a fool, but once he opened his mouth, then they knew he was, well, the kids would say dumb or whatever they called me. Right? We've all been there. We've all been there probably on both sides, too. What comes close to that is Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent because we don't know. I'm going to pick on you. You are not a fool. But let's say James was a fool. He is not for the record. YouTube and podcast. He is not a fool. But let's say in this illustration he was. As long as he kept his mouth closed, nobody would know. He would seem intelligent, right? But if he was a fool, once he opened his mouth, the whole world would confirm that he was a fool. You're not. So thank you for smiling. Our next proverb, 10, verses 19 to 21. Too much talk leads to sin. Preachers talk a lot, don't they, Mike? Yeah. I'm going to grab the pulpit a little harder right there. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. (laughs) That's the beauty of the new living. Translation, the words of the godly are like sterling silver, the heart of a fool. It's worthless. That's hard. The words of the godly encourage many, but fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense. Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. That seems to be a theme here. 
and you will stay out of trouble. Proverbs 18, 20, and 21. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. We're about ready to have a good meal. I pray the words prior to your meal are wise. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. I think this is our last one. Proverbs 18, 6, and 7. Fool's words get them into constant quarrels. They are asking for a beating. The mouths of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. Anybody ever? Has anybody here ever? These verses we just read, I'm looking at them on the, on the paper right here. Has that ever applied to your life? Me. And I'm sure many others. But praise the Lord, right? So based on what we just read out of excerpts or verses out of the book of Proverbs, would we all nod and say, yes, we have a pretty good understanding about how the Lord views our speech. We know how he views the speech of men and women, boys and girls, here on, here on planet Earth. So now let's jump into our, our verses. So the first uh, 12 verses, that's all we're covering. The first couple of verses, uh, probably up to like, we're just going to really look at verse, verses 1 through 4. Verses 1 and 2 is to the point. Verses 3 to the end of our, of our uh, verses today, 12, are examples so we're going to look at the, the, the first two verses, dig pretty deep into those, and then we're going to look at a couple of examples. So we're not going to be able to get all through it, but I think we'll understand it a whole lot better as we go through it. So James chapter 3, verse 1. I'll read the verse again. It's up on the screen. Dear brothers and sisters, who? Brothers and sisters, who? Thank you. Men and women, boys and girls. Who was James writing to? Who was his intended audience? Were they Christians or non-Christians? They were Christians. This applies to us as well. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. As I read that, this verse, number one, for the last couple of weeks, one person popped in my mind on this verse. And I say this, this is more of a funny way. I don't mean this applies to that person, but I thought of Derek. He's not even sitting there. <laughs> because Derek will get up and he'll say, we have needs in Christian education at Turkey Run, right? We need more teachers for this, for that, and we do. And then Jim comes up and says, not many of you should become teachers. You see the irony here? So... We're not talking about what Derek's talking about, so but we'll get into it. But not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. What is this saying? So this is talking about responsibility. So when it says teachers here, it's not talking about the gift of teaching that you see in the book of Ephesians when you have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's just not referring to the teacher in those five. 
Some church faith traditions, they called that the fivefold ministry gifts. Later, we'll go into kind of what that means and everything with the fingers. But we're just not talking about that teacher. It's talking about dear brothers and sisters. And so this applies to those of us who stand here. Uh, Derek was standing down there in Sunday school this morning and all the others. This applies to the men and women that teach in Sunday school. This applies to the, the men and women that teach in summer Bible school. Okay. Um, this applies to those who teach. It doesn't matter if they're male or female. Now, we do, and we do recognize that some roles in the church, it's very clear in Scripture, some roles in the church are specifically male, and then other roles are male and female. Teachers can be female. There are certain parameters and things like that, like standing up here, uh, a pastor, that is a male role. It's clearly defined in the Word of God. Okay, so we're not going to debate that or fight that or anything like that, but I just want to put that out there. So everybody, men and women, brothers and sisters, right? Men and women, there is a responsibility if you're going to teach. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I'll, I need to get there myself. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Here we go. Work hard. So you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. Then um, Timothy goes into an example uh, of like, uh, he mentions two gentlemen who their talks, their talk, foolish talk spreads like cancer in the church okay so we need to be careful so that's second timothy uh, chapter 2 verses 15 and 16 another uh, point in verse 1 in james chapter 3 is accountability so i put a gentleman's name up here he i think he passed away in the mid 90s dr edmund hebert uh, dr hebert i'm just going to put a quote up here in a second from him dr hebert um, was a theologian he was a college, a Bible college administrator, a professor. Uh, he's from the Mennonite Brethren um, background, and I didn't even know who he was. And I found out about him from a non-Mennonite Brethren, non-Anabaptist source, but they referred to him. So teachers, men, women, teachers, this will make you go ouch. The comparative adjective greater or stricter, depending on the version you're looking at, implies degrees of treatment at the judgment seat. Okay. The latter part of verse 1, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. We have to keep that in mind when we teach. Even when teaching the little ones, we who teach will be judged more strictly. It's not something to be mortifyingly terrified over. It's something to have a healthy respect and to watch our words. Watch how we teach. Watch what we say. To represent the word of God correctly. Okay. Uh, Rob, our overseer, he has been mentoring a, a group of men in our church recently uh, who have expressed the desire to learn more, to understand the call of God in their lives in when it concerns ministry or a calling to ministry, even to pastoral 
ministry. And, and Rob had asked, Rob had gone through his, uh, and I wasn't there, Mike wasn't there, but Rob had gone through his, uh, I'll say, his testimony on the call of God in his life, when that happened, and what that looked like for, for the gentleman. And then he had Mike come in, and Mike did the same thing. And then he had me come in, and I did the same thing. And this was one verse. I think I only shared two verses in that 15 minutes, 20 minutes I was there. This is one of the verses I shared because I said the, the, the um, I'll say it this way, it's sobering to teach, to prepare. And all you who teach, and we have a lot of teachers in here. There are so many gifted people in this body to teach. Praise the Lord. A lot of churches don't have this. So we need to be very, very thankful. But it's sobering to think about the responsibility and the accountability. And so I applaud all of you. I thank you, thank you for doing that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, verse 2. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Now, that's, to me, it refers back to verse 1. We're going to be judged more strictly. Oh, by the way, and you're going to make many mistakes. First John, and I don't have it on the screen, chapter 1, verse 9. Amen. He's faithful and he's just to forgive us. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could control our tongues in every, excuse me, control ourselves in every other way. Okay? So, number one, we all make many mistakes, exclamation point. I can put 10,000 exclamation points. We all make mistakes. Um, I think the, 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 the New Living uh, translation is a little uh, giving on this. I'll just say it this way. We all sin. We all make mistakes. But we have a Father, a loving Father, who's great in mercy, great in grace. As we control our tongues... We become perfect. And that's something we always have to look at when we look at the Word of God and we see the word perfect, especially in the New Testament. It doesn't mean perfection. We will never, on this side of eternity, in our mortal flesh and bodies, we will never be absolutely perfect. One day we will. But we're not there yet. Okay? It's called sanctification. It's a process. Okay? We're born again. We're, we're, we're justified in the eyes of the Lord, through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then a process goes on in our lives, and it takes a lifetime, and it's called sanctification. Sometimes we do well, sometimes we fall, we get back up, and keep going, fall, get back up, keep going. Sanctification. Uh, and so when we see the word perfect, and we, if, if we misinterpret that and, try, and just beat ourselves down because we're not perfect, we're talking about maturity in the Lord. And that's what we're going for. That's what we're striving for, to be mature in the Lord. A sign of becoming mature is that we exercise controlled speech. And by exercising controlled speech, we also control ourselves in every other way. I will say one thing. For if we could control our tongues, it doesn't say if we could pray more. It doesn't say if we could pray more, we'd be mature and control ourselves in all other ways in our life. It doesn't say if we fasted more. It doesn't say if we uh, gave more. When the plate went by, we gave more. It doesn't say if we serve more. 
Sign up for the Thanksgiving. Sign up for the hospital. There's always things going on. And sign up for every little thing. And we can still have issues with our speech. Okay? If we can control our tongues, we will mature. But I have a question. Is an uncontrolled tongue a symptom of something else that has much larger implications in our lives? Is the speech that comes out of our mouth, is that a symptom of something else? Yeah, yeah. It's in Matthew, well, it's all over the Bible, but Matthew 12, 34 to 37. You brood of snakes, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> Jesus is talking to the, to the religious leaders of that day. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Oh, uncontrolled speech is a symptom of a bigger problem of what's in our heart. So that's the answer to that question. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil per person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Capital O, capital U, capital C, capital H, exclamation point. Amen? Amen. A parallel verse to this is Luke 6, 45. I have it in the ESV, just the latter part of it. We, all, we know this. For out of the abundance of the, uh, of the heart, his mouth speaks. Okay? So I don't know if you're going to be able to read that. This is the Greek. Parisoima, okay? Abundance means surplus. So if evil, if bad comes through our mouths, it's a symptom of something in our hearts. Are we still believers? Yeah. We're still dealing. We're going through the sanctification process. We're still dealing with issues in our lives. So abundance. But look at number two. That which is left over, and this is the word I want to focus on, residue. So if I had a cup here, and it's dirty, and I'm going to put water in it, and I can see residue from the last time the cup was used, am I going to drink out of that cup? Are you, are you going to drink out of that cup with a bunch of residue from previous usages? No. It's just overflowing. It's residue, overflowing, overflowing. And then it comes out, and it comes out. We really need to watch what we say. We'll go to verse 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. I was going to put a picture of blackberry and mango up here, but I didn't have a really good picture, so I'm sorry. Um, but I did get this. Okay. Everybody knows what this is, right? I asked Georgie, can you open your mouth? And she was going to let me put this in her mouth. I couldn't believe it. So Because she was like, what's that? I should have said, well, it's chocolate and, you know, but anyway. But we know what this is used for. It goes in, the reins attach, and of course a lot of other things are attached uh, as well. So I'm not in a horse, I have ridden horses very few times in my life, but I will say this from observation and, and looking it up and, and learning and things like that and researching. Once the bit goes in the horse's mouth, does the horse know exactly where to go, period? Just knows where to go? No? What? Really? I thought they just knew, right? No. Okay. 
So what's attached to the, this part right here where my fingers are holding it? Reins. So where does the horse go? Wherever the reins tell it to go, right? So if you want the horse to go this way, just give a little tug, right? Now, if you're really comfortable with the horse and the horse is comfortable with you, right? It's almost like you function as one, and I know that can happen. You just barely, or you can even say a word and the horse will do it. Or you just barely, just a little bit of pressure and the horse will go. If you don't know the horse that well and the horse doesn't know you that well, sometimes you have to give it a little bit more oomph. Am I right? I'm going to call you all horse people. <laughs> am I right? I think I'm right on that, okay? Again, not much experience with that. So here's the question. Imagine us being the horse. Imagine this in our mouth. Who's holding the reins? Ooh, who's holding the reins? Are you holding the reins? Trying to do it on your own? Navigate the difficulties of life on, your, on our own? Uh, I've tried that. It doesn't work. We've all tried it. It doesn't work. Why not let the Lord hold the reins? My yoke is easy. Right? Wow. Think about that for a moment. Who's holding the reins uh, in, in our lives? For time's sake, well, ooh, we really need to go. Verse 4. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Okay? I don't expect the younger folks to know what this is, but it's a diagram. Anybody know what that is? Whoa, the Titanic. Yeah, just a couple of years ago, right? Um, the Titanic. It's the most known ship in the world probably because of the disaster uh, and, and everything. Um, the Titanic, I'm going to round up or down, about 880 feet. Bow is the front. Stern is the back. Front to back. Back to front. 880 feet. If you took the rudder on the left and you put the rudder in the library and you drew a straight line towards Stewart's driveway, it, the ship would go about probably another 150 to 200 feet on the other side of his driveway. That's how big that ship was. The ship is still there. It's just at the bottom of the ocean. We've seen pictures of it. And that's small to, to today's standard, uh, standards. The largest ship I read is a, it's not in service anymore. It was about 16, so about double that. A tanker, about 1,600 feet. That would take it down to almost, what, to Wayne's place or something. Way, imagine that, okay, being on the same ship. You just walk home on the ship. So... But look at that rudder. Did everybody see the rudder in the bottom left? That's not very big, is it? Okay, so that rudder is 17 feet wide. So if you just do quick math, 880, round up to 18 or so, it's about 2%. So 2% of that ship, or 100% of that ship is steered by 2%. That's the only part that really moves. The other part is solid and think about our tongue and then the rest of us our tongue moves us in so many different directions it gets us in trouble we just read our tongue blesses god and then curses those who were made in his image the same one that blessed god is also cursing his creation sometimes cursing him himself should it happen no there's perspective. This is a real picture. This is in dry dock before, the, before it went to sea. 
That is a real guy standing down there at the bottom. So it was about 70 feet tall, so it was very tall. But the width, front to back, at the most, is 17 feet. It's been digitally enhanced because it'd be a grainy picture from the early 1900s. But that is the real rudder and the propellers of the, of the Titanic. So with the five minutes left, so our timing is great. Do we all understand how God views what comes out of our mouth? I have to say amen. Just looking at the book of Proverbs is very, very clear. Reading a Chinese proverb is very clear, even though we don't put credence in it. Of course not. But it's on the right track. It would be horrible to end this message and let's pray and be done and not talk about what do we do about it. Amen? So we could beat ourselves, you know, left and right. Oh, I need to clean up my speech. Oh, I really need to think about what comes out of my mouth. Coarse, you know, jesting, things like that. Yeah, we do. How do we do it? Okay, so we have one more slide and we'll discuss that. How do we control our, our tongue? Number one, we need to recognize that we all make many mistakes. We saw that. It said it right there uh, at the beginning of verse 2. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. We need to recognize that. And we need to repent. For things that come out of our mouths, now we know that things that come out of our mouths the origin of that was our heart. That makes it even more, it's all serious, but it's even more serious because now we know it comes out of our heart. We need to repent. So when we find ourselves in these situations where we, I wish I hadn't done that, repent. Okay. We need to pray as David prayed in Psalm 141, verses 1 through 3. Does anybody remember that? Did you hear that recently? Psalm 141, verses 1 through 3? It was in your bulletin for a reason, because I put it there. It's right here. Okay? I'll read it to you. Think about what we just heard for the last 30 minutes, and listen to this. Oh, Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We recognize we make many mistakes and we repent. We pray to the Lord to hear our prayers that we just did in bullet point number one. And to set armed guard, I'm going to throw the word armed in, armed guards over our mouths and our lips to secure it, okay? This is a hard one. At the Lord's leading, seek forgiveness from those we have wronged by our speech. I started with at the Lord's leading because I can remember somebody probably in junior high school I said some bad words to. I can't go and track them down in Inglewood, California or El Segundo, California and find El Segundo would have been junior high school and track them down and apologize. So it's at the Lord's leading. The best way to deal with this is to immediately when it happens, ask for forgiveness. I said something in jest at the last elders meeting. Um, and you know, when you're a stutterer, 
when you're a kid, you learn to use humor to diffuse situations because I could speak a little better with humor than serious conversation way back when. And so that's kind of a default position I find myself in even today. So I use a little humor, a chide or something like that, and I said it. And the next morning I called one of the elders and I said, I want to apologize for, <laughs> you know. So this message was for me. I pray you can use it as well. And I apologized to him and said, hey, I said something, I apologize. It wasn't meant uh, to be, be mean or anything like that. So if we've wronged somebody and we have the Lord leads us to ask for forgiveness, do it. Do it. <laughs> Please do it. We need to immerse ourselves in the word of God so our hearts and our minds are changed and renewed, which will mature our speech. Remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How do we change that? We renew our minds. We change our hearts. Instead of having this and the Lord holding the reins, right? I think a better picture is this and the Lord holding the reins. And then it gets to the point he doesn't even have to pull on the rein. He just speaks to us. You get it? I'm getting loops bumps thinking about this. He speaks to us because this is the bit. This is in my mouth. This is in my heart. This is in our minds. Okay? That's where we're going. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. My apology, I didn't read it. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. It's kind of hard to have evil or bad things pass through this gate right here in our lips. When we talk to each other, we teach, we counsel with his wisdom. When we sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to the Lord with thankful hearts, this is what makes that happen, along with his Holy Spirit ministering to us and in our lives. And then the last bullet point refers back to the beginning of this study in James. Oh, I'm sorry, it didn't catch. Be a doer of God's word. And that's in James chapter 1, verse 19. I'll just turn there real quick. I apologize, I thought that would be on the, on the screen. Understand this, my dear brethren, brothers, excuse me, my dear brothers and sisters, men and women, boys and girls, you must be quick to listen. We've heard this, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. When we're quick to listen, it allows us time to process, to apply this instead of this. Okay? Can everybody stand up, please? Uh, we're going to close in prayer, and then Marvin will um, lead us in the doxology. Thank you, Marvin. So let's pray.
Father, thank you. Personally, Lord, I just thank you. But Lord, as a congregation, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you actually give us a way of escape. Lord, as we discussed in in Sunday school this morning about a mountain in in Mark chapter 11. Uh, Lord, one person mentioned that the mountain to them signified death. And Lord, you moved that mountain for us. Lord, that there is no sting. The grave is not the end for us, Lord. Everlasting darkness, everlasting torment, everlasting fire is not our ending. Father, thank you that you care so much about us that you teach us even how to speak. And you're concerned, Lord. So, Father, we commit to you today as individuals and corporately as a body. We commit to you today, Lord, that we will watch, we will set arm guards around our mouths. Lord, that we will spiritually sober up to be mindful of what goes into our hearts and into our minds to ensure that what comes out is of you. Father, bless your people here at Turkey Run. We just commit all to you. Father, we also thank you for Potluck Sunday. We thank you for all the hands that prepared the food, Lord. This is a special blessing on those that prepared the food, that helped set up the tables, the chairs, everything, Lord. We just ask that you would be in the midst of our fellowship together, that this is just a type and shadow of a huge meal to come when we step into the next world, the eternal world. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.